The Shepherd in the Shrink podcast can only happen with your support. Please go to patreon.com, search for the Shepherd in the Shrink podcast and find all kinds of cool stuff that we have in store for you. To surrender to Christ is, first of all, the opposite message of our world today in the United States, which says, follow your heart. Don't surrender anything about yourself. Lean into it more. It's like we're swimming in this pool that is making us sick. And the answer that our culture is saying is swim some more. You can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. Marty, I'm really excited and interested about the topic that we're going to talk about because it's deeply personal with a lot of things that you've been through, but it's also deeply personal to a lot of people who might be tuning in to what the conversation is. I feel the same way. How can God allow suffering? That's the question that we're going to address. Mm. And I think that we both have some insight on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's one of the biggest questions that people have. Like a lot of people just have no time for God or no time for healing because they can't imagine how God could allow suffering. And they rally around the statement, you know, is God just indifferent to all this? Yeah. And so, you know, we should preface this with saying this, I'm going to give a lot of self-disclosure today for a couple of reasons. One is this, if we just come out of the gate talking about this, we could sound cavalier and insensitive to other people's suffering. We're not. I mean, I've been through it. I've just been through a pattern that repeated itself, just like my conversion experience. Like I went through that same process and pattern. I'm still unpacking it. Like you went on a walk with me yesterday, right? And I'm, I'm still unpacking stuff, too, but I, it's, it's, it's really big because I, people have noticed if they listen to this regularly that, you know, I've been absent a lot. There's a lot going on in my life. I was separating from God. I wasn't feeling, I was suffering greatly. Like I haven't suffered like this since, you know, the, the 2014 thing that we talked about in the other podcasts. So the suffering's real. And this is an excellent question to ask. And we're, we want to be very sensitive to people because a lot of people who come go to this podcast are suffering. Right. Right. Well, you think about it, anybody that makes a phone call to have a conversation with you or one of your staff in need of a psychologist is suffering and in legitimate pain. People who come to see me outside of Sunday morning or programs, whatever we've got going, it's because there is something weighing down on them. Yeah. And, and not just that, it has to get to a high level to take action, to go and, and humble yourself and say, I need some help. A lot of us, like in me included, it takes a lot. And sometimes I still don't do it. You know, we would rather suffer than make a change or know how to get out of it because we can't. Yeah, right. Or, or you don't want to, for me, it's like, you know, I don't want to show up on a podcast not my best and not for, you know, there is some ego in that for sure, but there's also, I don't want to burden people. And so that's really the motivation for me. Cause I don't care what, you know, I'll tell you anything that you want to know about me. I don't care. You know? Yeah. Well, you, you're really coming into and out of and through and still in the midst of a really tough season of life. 
And when did your eyes get opened? Oh man, this is so good. So, so I don't want to go into too much detail about, you know, what, what's caused it, but let me say that we're facing life and death. I've been facing life and death issues with people in my family, including my wife. So you asked what question again? When were your eyes opened or what was the process? Wednesday. I'd say miraculous because you don't go from the level of suffering that I had with the, all the sleep disturbance. I've lost 10 pounds. You don't go through that and heal as quickly as I did. That's the Holy Spirit. Because we don't have techniques that can do that. You don't, you know, every once in a while, somebody just need to hear one thing and then they get better. But if you're going towards that depression, you know, state, there's inflammation and all kinds of stuff, you know, that you got to deal with. But I went just like 2014, my conversion experience, I went from, I think the pattern is this suffering before the glory and glory. I looked up the definition of it and I'm not saying I'm glorified or anything like that. Don't misunderstand me on that. I'm experiencing glory. This definition says a thing that is beautiful or distinctive, right? A special cause for respect or delight. Yeah. And, and I got that again. I didn't have any of that. And, and it came every day since Wednesday, it's been improving. And today was great too. And I missed some sleep too, because we had people over last night, you know, and man, I just, it keeps getting better, but I am very humbled in that I'm not taking my eyes off of this. I'm not going to look below because as soon as I do, and, I, and it happens gradually, you start going away. Right. Have you had this happen to you before, Matt? I've been through some terrible times. And in the looking back in the in the midst of the terrible times, one time it was just on this side of anxiety attacks that lasted about for me two weeks severely. And I had to literally say in the middle of it, because I never lose sleep, I never lose my appetite, but that was happening. And it wasn't because of what I would call outside suffering. I was suffering, I think. But in the midst of that suffering, I knew enough to say, God, if I can't sleep, at least let me rest. Okay. Lord, get me through this moment. When did the relief come? For me, it was a slower process. Gradual, yes. By bit. There was a breakthrough from meeting with a group of guys on a Thursday morning and being able to share some of my burden, you know, and they burden shared is a burden whose weight is cut in half. Okay. I like that very much. I got to remember that. Realize there's people who like me to realize that no matter what's going on, I've got someone. That's very good. So yeah. Cause I was like, oh, man, I, I really started seeing the signs a month ago. So here's how it happened. I'm going to answer your question now. Just like I had to cry out to the Lord, you know, I, I had to get some help. I went to a, for some counsel for somebody who's very spiritual Christian, a strong, strong Christian. And that started the process going. Okay. But when I was in the desert and isn't that kind of ironic that it's happening during Lent, right? When Jesus was in the desert, we remember the 40 days that Jesus was tempted by Satan and suffered in the desert. And how did he respond? He kept going back to the word of God. Yes. Okay. So I should have seen this a long time ago. I was in the word in the scriptures, but I wasn't thirsty when the first time in 2014, I was thirsty. Right. And it, it was like, it was like music to me. I, I was kind of, it wasn't happening. I didn't know how to get back to it. I knew that it was happening, but I didn't know how to get back to that. But there were signs early on because I would always talk about that in the past tense. I didn't say like, I am hearing music when I read these scriptures. I, you know, I am just delighting and feeling the Holy spirit every place. I wasn't, I said, I, back then I did that. So that should have been the first indication that I was getting strained. Don't get me wrong. There's real stuff going on. And, you know, when your wife suffers and you're as close as we are, I suffered with, you know, not like her. I didn't have the nausea and stuff like that. But man, when, when you, when you feel so helpless, you know, and then you're, then my life's disrupted too. 
you know, I don't have anybody to talk to or eat with when she's doing that. And so everything, too many changes coming right now. And I wasn't leaning on God. So what got in my way was a form of pride. And that's the thing that I fear the most because that caused all my, it was the antecedent to all my suffering before and arrogance a little bit too. It's that defensiveness. But so this, this pridefulness came subtly, just like the enemy works. You know, very subtly the pride came. So what does it mean? Did I think I was better than anybody else? No. You weren't bragging. Pride no. Did I want the bragging. spotlight? No, it wasn't like that. It was that I could handle this myself. I was operating and must have believed if I was doing it on some level that I could handle this myself. I didn't, you know, I was praying. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm not, I'm devout as I can be right now, but something was missing. And that's really what it was. I didn't fully surrender and understand your will be done means, man, use that people. Cause we're doing this podcast, not to talk about me, like, Hey, it's a Marty show. We're doing it. Cause I know that there's a lot of suffering out there and I want people to get relief from it. And then all these miracles started happening. Like I told you about a, that. I have a patient that responded that did the same thing, like a great deal of suffering, just all this catastrophic stuff going on in his life, real stuff, man. And he shows back up and it was that, it was this surrendering to Christ. Tell, tell me, how do we surrender? Cause I don't even, it's a spiritual thing. I don't know how I surrendered. What is it? What is surrender, Matt? When we say surrender, because a lot of people don't want to hear that. They avoid Christians because they think they're going to hear that. Like, oh, just surrender to God. And then it sounds like you're minimizing their suffering or that you don't understand that suffering. No, that's the furthest from the truth. But what is it to surrender to Christ? Well, to surrender to Christ is, first of all, the opposite message of our world today in the United States, which says, follow your heart. Don't surrender anything about yourself. Lean into it more. It's like we're swimming in this pool that is making us sick. And the answer that our culture is saying is swim some more. You just need to dive down deeper into this junk that is making us sick. That's why I think surrender is so foreign to us because it's the last thing we want to do. The last thing we want to do is surrender. I mean, you go, 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 go until you hit this wall. And for some of us, that's when we surrender. That's Not good. We've already beat, you know, bloodied our nose and smashed our face against this wall and felt the pressure of the wall pushing back against us. So I think that that's first the thing that you have to realize. Surrender is alien. It is foreign to our culture. It's foreign to our understanding. It's foreign to our value system. The second thing I think that I heard you say when you were sharing with about this was there was a naming that goes on. For me to surrender, I can generically say, I surrender to you, God. I surrender to you, whatever, you know, my future, my vision. I'm surrendering to my vision. But until I name what I'm surrendering, it means something something is unsurrendered. Uh, yes, it does. So if something's good. gotten in the way of the vision that you had for your life, if something's gotten in the way of your relationship with God, if something's gotten in the way of your relationship with the people that you love, that means that that your priorities are out of place and you have to name what that is. And sometimes the naming is, is not anything that you're like worshiping, but for example, you had to come to grips with the amount of suffering. Yeah, you're right, man. I didn't even know it. It was operating subconsciously on me. Keep going. This is good stuff. So in terms of surrendering ourselves to God, surrendering ourselves to Christ, it involves Violent honesty, not violent honesty. I'm trying to think of a powerful word. Potent honesty. It involves absolute, absolute honesty. Is full honesty. Stable. Full honesty. Yeah. To say this is where I am. This is what I'm clinging to, 
And you know, when you cling, your fists are just clenched, especially if you're suffering and you can't even think about anything else. Um, suffering draws you in. It puts you on the defensive. It, it makes you realize anything that I can get for relief. And so to even surrender our suffering to God is a, a huge step. But the thing that that Christianity talks about, and it talks about this in the Old Testament, is God is in the midst of our suffering. Yes. He's not causing it. He would never do that. He's, he, he's not, and, and it's not our fault. For me, it was this. I'm trying to put it into words because I'm still working through this, right? It is, thy will be done is really the key for me. What that means to me is this. I trust God. I trust that God is benevolent. I know he is. And then I will accept the outcome. If what I don't want to happen happens, I feel and believe that there is a meaning in that and I'm going to be okay. And it's all going to work itself out. It's going somewhere, the telos, right? I believe that it's going somewhere and it's somewhere good. And I'm not going to judge it. I do my, I'm not going to judge it anymore. I'm going to feel, man, it's going to wreck me if it happens for a while. But that's when I'm going to draw closer. I haven't felt this close to our Lord since that period, that initial period in 2014. But I got the experience again, but I had to go through the suffering the first time. And I have to go through the suffering the second time. And, you know, we talk about some techniques, too, because we don't want to leave people hanging on that. Right. Because because we have to do something. Don't wait for it to go away by itself. It won't. Because you'll be doing the same thing. You're doing the same things without knowing it that are causing it or not doing the things that are contributing to it. Let's say not cause it contributing to it. Well, and it's throughout the scriptures, probably the most famous passage that during the time of Lent, people often are drawn to is from the Old Testament, meaning it's the Hebrew scriptures. It's written in Hebrew. It's the prophet Isaiah. It's about 700 years before the birth of Christ. And Isaiah, interestingly, is the prophet most quoted in, in the Christian scriptures, the New Testament. And he is talking about who is this one who is going to get us through? Who is this one that God is going to lift up to be the Messiah, the anointed one, the one to turn people's hearts back to God? And in Isaiah 53, it talks about who this one is. Isaiah 53, I'm just going to start in verse 3, talking about what scholars today have called the suffering servant. This is the anointed one of God. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. We esteemed him not. That means we thought so lowly of him. And then it says, surely he took up our infirmities. He carried our sorrows. He carried our sorrows, and yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Man, that's that. When I read that the first time, that blew my mind. What hit you? The prophecy of it, the prophetic, how it played itself out, how the narrative came to life in the world. You know, it blew my mind. It just, it just strengthened my faith. One thing I'll say is this, uh, this is a spiritual battle and, and the enemy works in subtle ways. He's crafty, right? The craftiest, right? In Genesis or among the craftiest, maybe, I don't know. I never doubted. I always thought it was something in me. Okay. Which, you know, and it was, and I asked God to show me what was wrong with me and he, and he is, he's showing me now what I was doing wrong. There's some little resentments and things like that, that I had. If this is what he has to do to purify me, 
by fire, I'm going to trust that it's going somewhere better than when it started, right? Better than before it started, let's say. Okay. But I wasn't fighting back with scripture in the same way. You know? Well, let's not get off that. I want you to keep going. This is good. Yeah. No, starting up in verse 11 again, it says, though this servant will suffer and be rejected, um, Isaiah says, he will in the end be exalted and he'll be vindicated. So suffering in and of itself is something, you know, you may be going through. And yet God, when we can even turn this over to God or look to God, God will bring something beyond the suffering into our lives. Listen, starting in verse 11, after the suffering of his soul, he will see the light and be satisfied. My righteous servant will justify many. He will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the many, and he will provide the spoils. He will divide the spoils with the numerous tribes because he poured out his life unto death. He bore the sin of many. In other words, talking about God's own suffering, and this is every Christian would believe this is a prophecy of Jesus, who he was, what he went through for our sin, for our salvation, for new life to be had today not just sometime after we die, but his suffering will bring justice. His suffering will bring salvation. His suffering will bring blessing to all nations. And that's who Jesus is. And this is a prophecy from 700 years earlier. And here's the deal. We're called as Christ followers to be sent on mission. It involves suffering on the behalf of others. For Christian history during the great plagues in Rome, when the wealthy citizens fled the city, the Christians ran into the city. They ran to bury the dead, to care for those who were still living there. During the early centuries after Christ, infants in Rome were often left in the wilderness to die. Infant girls, especially because boys were more valued in that culture. And the Christians would secretly rescue these infants and raise them. The first orphanages were begun by Christians. And even today, uh, the Christian church has been put forth as the, the largest healthcare provider in the world. So it's this ironic thing. Suffering is a part of our lives, but we're also called to relieve suffering through our suffering. More than that. You said more than that. They went into the suffering. They went into the suffering, right? They didn't run away from it. And I'm going to tell people we have to learn how to carry our cross. And, you know, that's what this show is about today. It's like you will carry your cross how can we get you comfortable as we can while you do it, of course, because we're not masochists, right? And we're not suffering for the sake of suffering, or we're not saying have a stiff upper lip. We're not saying that at all, but you will suffer in this life. He says that, that you'll, there'll be troubles in this world, but take heart. I've conquered the world. He's conquered the world. Don't forget that. Mm -hmm. You know, all of us have places of deep sadness that can cause us suffering. You remember the movie and the book from about, I don't know, 10 years ago called The Shack? I do. I saw the movie. Yep. Yeah. It was so popular and people could so identify. William Young, who's the author, says The Shack is a metaphor for the house you build out of your own pain. It's a metaphor for the places you get stuck, you get hurt, you get damaged. It's the thing where shame or hurt is centered. And he kind of ran with that image. And so the idea of suffering, to me, it reminds me of an early podcast where you talked about sadness and, and you're kind of an expert on the human emotions and where they come from and what, what are the triggers and things like that. And so I really listen in when you talk about that. And you were talking about sadness and sorrow, and we want to run from that. 
we will get hyper entertained until we can't keep our eyes open anymore just to avoid sadness or loneliness or that kind of pain. And yet you said, and I'll always remember, sadness is a gentle emotion. Say what you mean about that, because I think that applies to okay. suffering. To not so when I say it's gentle, I mean it's in contrasting it with the alternatives, which is anger and fear, right? Because that's usually what people, when, when, we, when something happens that we don't want and really, really want it to be different and it isn't and we can't control reality, oftentimes we will get angry, you know, angry with God even. Or we will be, we'll have panic attacks or anxiety, you know? Um, so sadness is more gentle because it's, you experience it in full. The re, it's experiencing reality in full. And that reality may be someone died that you love. That may be the reality, but it is reality. We have to, my sin was, and by sin, you know, I mean, I was separated from God and the Holy Spirit. My sin, my separation from God was because I think for me is prayer and fasting, because some spirits can only be run off by prayer and fasting. So God made me fast. I, I've lost 10 pounds. I didn't, it wasn't intentional, right? You lost your appetite. I lost my appetite. He's making me fast. And I was praying ceaselessly, but I got away from the word. And that's how God speaks to us, you know, because he, look, he can speak in different ways than he has, like to the prophet Isaiah. Okay. But he generally, you know, put it, had it written down so we could, you know, do it. I was in the word, but I wasn't. Mm, you know, loving it, I guess, love. I, I liked love. I liked love for those words. That's what's making it sweet now. And, and same in the beginning. That was my sin, right? Now, some people are going to listen to this and go, oh, don't be so hard on yourself. I'm not hard on myself. That's just the fact, you know, I, I, I missed the mark there. I didn't want to, I didn't mean to, you know, mm -hmm. but I need to, when you suffer, do this, be Christ-like. When you suffer, be Christ-like. How are you going to be Christ-like? Study him. One thing I've been doing is I went back and watched, you know, Son of God first because, you know, the passion of the Christ is just brutal. Oh, and then that set me up. So I gently went into it and then watched the passion of the Christ. And then what, why did I want to do that? Because I needed to watch how Christ suffered. I needed to see it on a screen to know it more, not just read the scriptures, right? I, I did the, these things too. And boy, it, did it help me just to see it because I'm a very visual thinker. So to see it played out and acted so well and so beautifully. So how do you be Christ-like? You just, but to see Christ suffer too, I needed to see that again. And I also needed to see the, his glorification, right? I need to see the power and the glory too. Now the world's enchanted again. The world was getting gray for me. You know what I mean? And, and now it's enchanted again. I see life because I, I lacked love. And it's powerful because you can't just create it. You can't just say, oh, I don't have faith. I want faith. I don't have love. I, I go find love, you know. And we miss out on the suffering. There are literal benefits to it. Like there's benefits to exercise, which let's face it, is making your body suffer sometimes. And I think we miss out on this fulfillment. And, and here's something the, the Christian church has made a mistake of, I believe. I think because some of us have brought our sins to Jesus to be made right with God and find peace that way. But if you go back to Isaiah and the suffering servant, we've brought our sins to Jesus, but not our suffering. We've brought our sins to Jesus, but not our sorrows. We've brought our sins to Jesus, but not our shame. Because even after the sin is gone, we're left with the ravages of the sin. We're left with sorrow. We're left with shame. 
back to Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53, check it out for yourself. Starting in verse four, surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions, which is our sins. He was crushed for our iniquities. Iniquity is shame. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him by his wounds were healed. And Jesus stands now before us. He even took the nail scars in his resurrection body, Christianity would say. Like he showed his first disciples in the resurrection. It's if to say he can take our wounds and he can turn them into our equipment. They recognized Jesus after he rose from the dead by his scars when they saw the nail piercings in his hands. If you let him, he can take your junk and he can turn it into a compost pile. A year from now, when spring comes again, that compost is going to be like gold, black, you know, dirt gold for a gardener. That's huge. And that's one of the key messages of Christianity through his son. God, God turns your garbage into coal, but it's you've got to own and name and suffer. And it's so countercultural. It is countercultural, but don't suffer alone. There are people who want to suffer with you. They don't want you to suffer alone. And, and my pride was this on some level, I must have thought that I didn't need help or like, or that, you know, maybe I sold myself short, like, well, you know, I don't want to trouble Matt. He's got enough going on, you know, so I'm not, I'm going to wait till I feel better and then we'll reconnect. Cause so many people have reached out to me and I said, no, that's pride. It is pride. And it's also, it lacks self-love for me. I mean, come on, I'm, I am important to some people. Do you know what I mean? Let them do that. Don't get in their way. Don't, don't take away their blessing. I wonder when you were suffering, though, if you needed to go through grief. I did. Yes, it and was I a grief. I to grieve alone. I, it is. I know. And I don't want, when I need to grieve, and I saw this when my old best friend, Charlie, died, and I didn't want my wife to come and cheer me up. I just needed to go down and look at her pictures from seventh grade and eighth grade and high mm -hmm. school and just live that and love Charlie, you know, in our, the times that we had. I didn't want her to interrupt that. I didn't want her to say, oh, don't be sad. I didn't want her to say, oh, no, don't do that. Don't cry. Don't live, relive those things, you know. And, and that's, I think, a real skill is to be able to come alongside someone and enable them to do the work that they need to do to grieve. And maybe grief is different from suffering. Part of your the renewal that you experienced was you allowed yourself to grieve. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I wasn't fighting it. I was just doing something wrong because the scripture came to mind where two or more are gathered, where two or more, not where I am alone. It's where two or more. And, and it took that the beginning of this transformation, because that's what it is. I'm, I'm different now in a, in a better way. The beginning was to sit with another Christ follower, a serious Christ follower who suffered with, and, and you know, what meant a lot to me is she I could see on her face that she was suffering with me that I don't know why, because the, I do know why the Holy Spirit was there, right? To comfort me. He's the comforter too. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. That means the Holy Spirit will come. It doesn't say blessed are those who avoid mourning. No, it says, and also you're a good Christian. So and you're a devout Christian, let's say, okay. So you went right into the suffering, just like the people that you described, you know, during the plagues, you went right into the suffering with that. You know that, you know, that's true now. And you know, you're because you trust your father. You know, I think it was Charles Spurgeon that said, today, I bless the waves of grief that pushed me into the rock of ages. 
That's clever. He was even thanking God for the suffering. He was thanking God for the pain that that threw him onto Jesus. I, look, how did I forget that? You know, we're we're dense, or I am. <laughs> you know, how did I not? That that pattern was so strong, and I knew something's about it, but I didn't know everything about it. it look. Christianity isn't what about what you believe. It's about what we should do. How can we navigate? Now you got to believe to do, but how can we navigate this chaotic world? And how can we relate to death and suffering and evil? How can we? There's no, I haven't found any other way. We try to avoid it an awful lot. I know. And, and, and you're doing it without knowing it. So no one should feel bad or that they're not like a good Christ follower or something like that. That's, what, that's really why I, I really wanted to say a lot about what happened to me. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, Jesus faithfully offers us himself and it's his wounds that heal. It's at the cross, you know, so many Christians have crosses or, you know, whether they wear a cross around their neck. Yeah, exactly. And it's his wounds that heal going back to the Isaiah passage of the suffering servant by his wounds. We are healed by his stripes. You know, the, the stripes on his back from the whips, we are healed. And it's at the cross where Jesus gives you the greatest resource for healing that leads to resurrection. And modern people don't put themselves on the cross for their shame. They put God there. Say that again. I'm, I'm not clear. The idea is that people judged Jesus and put him on the cross. And they did it in their shame. They put God there rather than suffer themselves for their, for their stuff. Even when you put God on trial, Jesus can identify your shame, no matter where you're coming from, in other words. Jesus can understand your hurt and your anger. It says we don't have a high priest in the book of Hebrews. We don't have a high priest who doesn't understand, who hasn't suffered, who hasn't been there. He can understand why it's hard to forgive. He can understand why it's hard to suffer. He doesn't condemn you in your struggle. It's kind of like what you said. Don't freak out if you're struggling. He can identify. He's in there. He is in there and it's going to mean something. If he, look, we don't move when we're comfortable, right? I needed to be changed. I needed to go to that next level spiritually, right? It could only happen through suffering because we're creatures of habit. I had to feel the pain that I had to feel and and I'm still learning. I'm still seeing these patterns. It's, it's amazing. It's mind blowing, you know, how this, how God works. So how could God allow suffering? Oh man, I'm a bad theologian because I get bored by theology fast. <laughs> I'm a doer and an experiencer. Um, Talk about it from your experience. Talk about it from doing. How could God allow suffering? God wishes for none to perish, right? God wants us to love, but we we forget how to love. And by love, I uh, don't mean adoring, you know, people. It could be that, but it's more than that. It's the experience of walking around with trust and joy. Mm. that confidence. If we get away from that, we won't be able to, to suffer. When we get away from that is, is when we suffer. Okay. And, there, and look, there was the fall. I mean, we're, we're, he is making all things new. Like uh, what's that guy's name from the Bible project? Tim, I think it's uh, Mackey, Tim Mackey. He put it like this. And I really like this. God is making all things new. He's not making all new things. So he's not going to destroy you. He's going to transform you, right? Cause he's going to make you new right? He's going to make all things new. He's not going to, you know, make you evaporate and then replace you. He's making you new, right? Um, but there's suffering in the world because we have free will, I think. 
you know, and some people don't know because that's what he said. You don't know. We suffer because we're ignorant and we shouldn't be condemned for being ignorant. He, he said, forgive them, Father, as he was going to Calvary, was going to the cross. He said, forgive them. They don't know what they do because because if they knew the way, they would have to follow it. They would run head first into it, man. You know, but they don't know. I just didn't know. That's why I was suffering. That's what I believe. And that's not to minimize anyone's because you saw me, man. It was hard to watch. And I knew you were walking through it. Yeah, but I never doubted and I surrendered the best I could, but I needed another person. I needed another image bearer. Don't underestimate that. Guys, we're getting lonelier and lonelier and lonelier. Okay. And and your church, you know what? If, if you complain that there isn't that enough of that in your church, then go bring one. Now, now we're getting moving in the right direction. You be that thing, right? You be the the, the lover of everyone in, in the congregation and see what happens. It, it can transform. It's the best way to transform people, I think. I completely agree. You know, as we kind of try to encapsulate this, can God suffer? Yes. Does God feel the pain that you are enduring? Yes. Not from some cozy armchair in heaven, but from the cross. Mm -hmm. That's why we keep having to allow the scriptures to speak to us. If you dare to believe that God loves you infinitely, that means God feels what you feel infinitely. Your suffering is magnified on him because he loves us more than we love ourselves. Yes, that's true. And so... Scripture says God is very present with those who suffer. There's a book in the, a whole book in the Bible is called Lamentations. Yeah, I know of Jeremiah, right? Yeah, it was not kept out of the Bible. God is not far removed from the area of suffering. He's close to it, not as a spectator, but as one who's affected, as someone who suffers. That is a concept that can blow your mind. It does, and it does, but you have to love it. Who said that? I think of John Keats. A fact is not a truth until you love it. Meditate on that today, kids, <laughs> boys and girls. A fact is not a truth until you love it. Now, what's truth? Tr truth is gentle compared to the distortions. It really is. Because if I believe 100% that if something happened, you know, God forbid. No, I'm not going to say God forbid. If God wills something to happen to Kathy and I know the truth and I love the truth, which is she's in paradise. I will be different. I will be different. And that God loves me and he won't allow me to suffer too long or too greatly. Right? If I can keep love in my heart and not harden my heart, because what happens when, when we, what you said, like tense up, we harden our hearts because we can't bear the pain. We don't harden our hearts. You know, generally most people are, want to be good. They're not evil. They harden their hearts because they forgot it's too much to bear alone. It's too much to bear alone. That's good stuff. I think this has got to be like part one of six on that. Oh, Lord, it's a life. <laughs> it is a life. It's life because we forget. I forgot, man. I forgot because I was doing something wrong. I, I wasn't loving like I used to love. Man, the way I loved, the first time I felt like agape was when I watched this happen to my sister, right? To see a, a little girl go bald and to suffer and what, and a, this, the horror of it, uh, of a bleeding mouth and pain and wasting away. I saw death happen slowly to someone, to an innocent. Okay. But it broke my heart and gave me the first glimpse of agape. And I was changed. You know, I changed and I was transformed back then too. So, so I'm sorry. So this is the third time this has happened to me. The first time I didn't have Christ though, but he was showing me through the Holy Spirit. I, he was calling me. I just couldn't hear him. He is in the midst of our suffering. Mm -hmm. So you experienced something there that you didn't have the vocabulary or the name or somebody to come alongside you. Yes. Nobody was there for me and I didn't know how to ask. For, for... 
help. I, I didn't have Christ. If I had Christ, I would have been way further now. I'd be way for, I just didn't, you know, I didn't know. Well, there's more to say, but I think we better, we better end this. Right. Okay. I think we said the important things though. Okay. I really liked what you had to say today. And I also thank you because you've been a, a big help to me, even when you don't know it. It's been mutual. And that's why we're here and why we're still talking. Let's pray. Almighty God, it's so tempting to look online and to look on YouTube, to look on Instagram, at all of the success stories of people's lives when they come to know you. But like Marty has reminded us today and Isaiah and the gospel writers are saying, look, there's God in the midst of your pain and your disaster. Lord, we need to complete that picture of you as the suffering servant. That's one of the fulfillments that you that you were Jesus from the Old Testament. Lord, I just thank you that you are a shame fighter. I thank you that you are a pain fighter in the midst of it and that you you are in the midst of our suffering and you you lead us there and you lead us through suffering. And then it's so strange. You call us to go and, and represent you in other people's suffering. So I pray you give us courage to do that. And I thank you, God, that you conquered death. I thank you that you take all of our lives, all of our hearts, not just the good, pretty parts, but the painful ones, the tired and exhausted parts of our hearts. You take those and you love us in them. And I thank you because that you live, we can live also. And I pray for everyone who is in the midst of suffering, God, that you would give them eyes to see that your heart is already with them and that you've met them there and that you have conquered it. And we put our faith in that, in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you like what you're hearing, join us at Patreon. You can talk to us personally there, get cool merchandise and exclusive video content and more. Just go to patreon.com and search for the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can get involved for as little as $1 a month. Thanks for listening to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can check out the show notes from this episode, get free resources, discover more about our work, and all the ways to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the show. Head over to drmartinfletcher.com.